let's get ready to study God's Word. to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit us at biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our previous episodes and various Bible study resources. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin our study today. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your many blessings to us. We want to thank you in a special way that we have this privilege of coming together and leveraging this technology to share a devotion. We pray that you will be with us, that you will help that everything will go well, that you will help that our thoughts will be aligned with your thoughts. Forgive us of our sins, Lord, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and bless all those that hear us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Today's study, today's devotional study, is entitled, Looking at Things God's Way. Looking at Things God's Way. Our passage comes to us from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Okay. That is a reasonably well-known passage, at least from the part that says, Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. The background to this story is that God is looking to get a replacement king for Saul. Now, Saul is still in office, and he's going to remain in office for quite some time. But God is setting the stage for a replacement king. Saul is the king that the Israelites chose. He fit all of the molds that they were expecting. He was a tall man, broad shoulders. And he fit the pattern that they expected. But God says that he's going to get someone of his own heart, after his own heart. Now, what I want to focus on, there are two things that I want to bring out today as I read this passage. There are two things that stand out to me. One of them is how God sees things versus how we see things. And the second one is how God operates in real time with regard to us and and the things that we're doing and when he's working along with us. Those are the two areas. So we will read this. 1 Samuel 16, and it's going to be the first 13 or so verses. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. 
fill thine horn with oil, and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Now this is important. God knows who the king is going to be. God is telling Samuel which family to look for. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. Okay. It's very interesting. Now, I want to be clear about this, because verse 2, people get all shaky on this. Samuel expresses a concern. He says, if I go around town to do any kind of anointing work, it's going to get back to the ears of Saul, and he's going to kill me. (laughs) Which is a funny, when you think about it in a certain way, it's funny if you're getting an instruction from God, and you're telling him, hey, this man is going to cause problems for me. But God says, no, no, no. What you're going to do, here's what you're going to do. Take a heifer with you and say, I'm come to sacrifice to the Lord. So God is telling him what to say. And because God has told him to say it, it is legitimate to say it. It's not a lie. It's not prevarication. It's nothing. It's following instructions. Lord says, go over there. Take this with you. Tell them you're going to sacrifice because that's what you're going to do. And while you're there, you're going to do something else for me. And I'll tell you when to do that. Okay. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? Okay. So again, why did Samuel say what he said before? Because he knew, as a prophet of the Lord, when he gets sent places, when he shows up somewhere unscheduled, it's not his normal teaching circuit. He just shows up in a town. People are like, uh, what is the Lord going to do here? <laughs> Is there something, is there going to be a problem? And so he tells the elders, no, 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 I come peaceably. There's going to be no problem for you. And so here he answers in verse five. And he said, peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. That's what the Lord told him to say. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. Now, sanctified there means set apart, because they haven't come yet. Okay? They haven't come yet. Sending a message to them that they need to come and be prepared for this. Okay. He sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now, Samuel is a prophet of the Lord. He has been a prophet of the Lord for quite some time. He has grown children at this point. Because remember, Saul is already king. And Samuel was old when the people asked to have a king. And this is not year one or year two of Samuel, of Saul being king. So what we see here is even a servant of the Lord... Even a prophet of the Lord 
even someone who should know better can get caught up in the general expectation of society. The general expectation of society is that your king is going to go before you as a leader. He has a larger than life presence. And it's even better if he's physically larger than everybody else, or at least in the upper height of society. Okay. So having a big strapping king is, is great. At least at this time of Earth's history. Later, they realized the kings can be as unhealthy looking as possible as long as there's a strong knight that can go before them and fight those battles. But in any event, here we are. Even Samuel is caught up in the first person he sees, the first son he sees. The Lord says, right, verse 16, sorry, chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. That's strong language. He didn't say, I have ignored him. He's not the one I'm looking for. I refused him. I've contemplated him already and rejected him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance but the Lord looketh on the heart. Okay? So, looking at things God's way, God investigated Eliab. God didn't just say, I know who I want, so I don't care what anybody else looks like or who anybody else is. No, 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 no. The Lord says, I have refused him. I have evaluated him, looked upon his heart, and determined it's not the right heart. So, I rejected him actively. I didn't just bypass him. Then Jesse called Abinadab, right? And obviously, the reason Jesse's calling Abinadab is because uh, Samuel is saying, no, not this one. Okay, and we'll see that. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. So we can tell in verse 8, that he said something similar in verse 7, or between verse 7 and 8, he said something similar. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. Okay, pause one second. We have to be careful with the construct of language. We see that Eliab passed and Jesse, and sorry, and then Abinadab passed and then Shammah passed. And then it says, again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. In modern English, we would tend to read this as, in addition to these three, he made seven more of his sons. But we know from other places in the scripture that Jesse only had eight sons. So what we have to conclude is that again, here means again, this process was followed until seven sons were, were, um, had been brought before him, right? Not 
seven more were brought. Okay? And I'll even, what, what's even more interesting is that if you look in a Bible with Strong's Concordance, what you'll notice is that the word again has no word associated with it. The translators said, again, Jesse made. They added the again, which is weird because it's kind of weird because they didn't italicize it. It just seems like it fits the sequence, but it does not mean in addition to the three. It means in totality. Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen these. Verse 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. We can't get to the sacrifice part until I get all of your children here. Now, this is what is interesting to me. I told you there were two parts of this. The first part was that we need to think like God. Not, now, granted, we don't have the ability to look at anyone's heart. But the idea is we should not get so wrapped up in the countenance, in the stature. We should not get so wrapped up in the externals. We should seek discernment from God to understand when we have to make choices about people for leadership, for courtship, for whatever it is that we need to, to choose people. We have to choose as God would choose and not get hung up on choosing like man would choose. Okay. That was the first thing I wanted to convey, and I think the story focuses on that. But the second thing I wanted to convey is how God operates with us in real time. God told Samuel, I have chosen already a king from among Jesse's sons. So go over there, ask Jesse to send his children before you, and I'll tell you when, when I name the one that is to, to be chosen, you can pick him. But God doesn't just say, I've chosen David. Because Samuel could have come and said, hey, <laughs> do you have a son named David? But God didn't do that. God didn't even say anything at the beginning. He let him pick from oldest to youngest. And as soon as Samuel picked, God said, no, 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 no. I don't choose like humanity chooses. Okay. So why did God do it that way? Well, for one thing, We'd never get that quote. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. We'd never get that quote with context if it were not for the fact that God allowed Samuel to come to that conclusion and then corrected him. That's one. Two, it needs to be understood that even when God is operating with a prophet, God doesn't just do a blow by blow. God allows us to operate and he gives us wisdom, guidance, instruction. He's there to influence us, to help us. But God doesn't work solely from a perspective of dictation. There are areas where God dictates to a prophet. But even if you look at the entire life of a prophet, the times in which the Lord is puppetizing a prophet 
or some other person, to the extent that he does it at all, is minuscule relative to their normal interaction. Okay? Minuscule. So here it is. God has sent Samuel on a mission and given him some details about the mission, but when he could just short-circuit the whole thing and tell him which son he's looking for, or tell him where to find him, or tell him what to ask Jesse. He does none of those things. Samuel has to go all the way through, hear nothing from the Lord, think, okay, well, the Lord didn't pick any of them. There must be another child. And so he says to Jesse, are these all your children? And Jesse says, there's one more. So now verse 12, and he sent, this is Jesse, and brought him in. This is David. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. <laughs> and you just have to laugh. It's like, Lord, you could have done that from the beginning. You could have said that he's out by the sheep. You could have asked me to tell Jesse to make sure all the kids are there. But that's not how the Lord works. God operates with us in real time, sometimes as a, it seems as though he's up on pair with us. God so consistently allows us the opportunities to exercise our free will that it is astounding. Verse 13, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, we already did this in a podcast over at True Wisdom, and I'll link it here. When it says in the midst of the brethren, it doesn't mean that the brethren were physically present, but they were still all in the house wherever Samuel was. But they weren't all physically present, right? And how can I say that? It's explained more in detail over there, but just think about it. If David, if Samuel is parading, or if Jesse's parading all of his sons in one place, right, then he never has to send for another one, and Samuel never needs to comment on them. He can just go down the line. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. Are there more? One next one in. You. Ding. Okay. So that's not happening. They're obviously interacting with Samuel on an individual basis. That's the first point. The second point is this one. Samuel was afraid of this thing getting back to Saul in the first place. There's no way he's just going to... I have to be careful how I say it, because if God had told him to do it in public, he would have done it. But it is obvious that the service is private because if all of the rest of the children knew that David was the one at that point who was anointed, that would have created a lot of havoc. It created a lot of havoc in the family by the time we get over to the story with Goliath. Okay? So, nope. It's done in the midst of the house, among the brethren, but not necessarily in their physical presence at the time. But we see, again, to emphasize before we do our verse and close out, we see that the Lord operates in real time with us. Does not tell us everything in advance necessarily, 
does not make all the paths smooth instantly. So as we go step by step with him in the things that we're facing, we need to look at this pattern and realize he's going to be right there with us. And sometimes he lets us run into an obstacle before he helps us to proceed past it. We have to learn to exercise our will and our discernment and pray for guidance or instruction or to have challenges overcome. Our passage again, 1 Samuel 16, verses 6 and 7. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this example of how you interact with us. We thank you for what you're willing to share with us, how you're willing to instruct us. We pray that you will help us to have discernment, help us to recognize that when we are serving you, when we are following you, every obstacle is not just going to be taken out of the way. Every issue is not going to be smooth instantly. But help us to remember that you are with us, that you will help us, and that we can turn to you, lean upon you all the time. Help us to use spiritual eyesight when looking at issues. And Lord, when time shall be no more, please save us in your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. You can reach us via email at biblequestions at asbzone.com. We look forward to hearing from you whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns. We also recommend that you check out the True Wisdom Podcast, where Robert and I discuss Bible stories and topics together. Both of these podcasts can be found on over a dozen platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Please remember our ministries in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study and share His Holy Word.